In the digital reality, evolution over revolution prevails. The QA approaches and techniques that worked yesterday will fail you tomorrow. So free your mind. The automation cyborg has been sent back in time. TED speaker Jonathan Wright's mission is to help you save the future from bad software. Hey, and welcome to theqalead.com. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Saunders from Capgemini, and she's going to be sharing her inspirational journey in technology. So without any further ado, let me introduce Sarah. Tell us your story. Okay. Um, so I suppose I'll I start with my journey into computing, perhaps, because that's always sort of of interest, especially to women. Um, and I think it sort of came, uh, I've always been quite mathematical. I've always liked sciences. Um, and uh, I went to an all-girls school, which I think took away any perspective that, oh, computing's not for women, because there was there were no, there were no boys to tell me this. Um, and so I did maths and physics A-levels and, and chose to do computer science, basically because my friend told me it would be a good way to get a job. <laughs> so I wasn't massively into computers. You know, I had a ZX Spectrum. I used to write a few games, uh, but I wasn't, you know, hugely into computers. Um, uh, and then I did a, a pure computer science degree. And then I graduated around 2000. And at that time, if, uh, if you remember, you know, the millennium bug, every software house in Britain was just going, get in, get in. <laughs> so finding a job wasn't too hard. Um, and I joined a graduate scheme at, at an investment bank, which is a really great way to start an IT career because even though we all had a degree, they were all in various different things. So there was no expectations of what you would know. They started from scratch and they taught us very fast for three months. Um, we learned A+, we learned C++, and then we started to look at a bit of... Um, Java and databases, Sybase databases that they use in investment banking. Um, and I worked uh, at the bank for seven years in sort of um, content management type roles. So it wasn't sort of frontline trading. I wasn't doing the high volume stuff. I was doing more looking at the investment bankers and their angle is, you know, they need to know how how long ago is it since they contacted their clients and which client knows which other client. You know, it's a very social thing. So um, sort of Web 2.0 era, we fitted right into, into them. So we built them custom portals and custom publishing tools so they could get their content out to their clients. Um, and I sort of... I didn't really feel that I was getting anywhere there. I was in London. I didn't really want to be living in London because I went to university in Manchester and that was sort of where I felt my future would be. So I moved companies to Capgemini, which is a, a, an IT consultancy. So um, there's a pool. I'm still in the same team now. So there's a pool. There's about 100 of us in the UK and we're all software engineers. And then we sort of get allocated out to client projects, which could be anywhere. At the moment, obviously, we're all working from home. But um, I've worked in the Welsh Valleys and I've worked in Telford and I've worked in Glasgow and London and uh, Bristol. And so it's been a lot more fun than just sitting in the same office. It's been really good. And the other thing about that is every different project has a different environment, different technologies, different problems so it's enabled me to build up a fantastic sort of holistic view of of how technology works and sort of say oh yeah so for example I was working on a Java project that finished 
Um, and they asked me, do you think you can do C sharp? I was like, yeah, it can't be that different to Java. <laughs> Luckily, I was right, and it wasn't. But um, so, yeah, so it's been a really great experience. I've been at Capgemini. Um, well, I joined in 08, so quite a while now. Um, and just building up that sort of experience of different projects has been amazing. And that's enabled me to start this angle of my career, which is talking about stuff, because uh, I've seen so many things that I've got opinions on lots of things, and I'm quite happy to share them and get quite enthusiastic about them, <laughs> which has led so me what to the, where I am um, today. So what was the trigger then for the for, for doing a bit of public speaking and, and kind of giving back to talk to people about the kind of that, that your experiences, really? It was a very inspiring team lead that we had, a guy called Andrew Harmon Law. And he's at ThoughtWorks now um, and he blogs quite a lot and he does domain driven design courses. Um, and he was starting to do some talks. He, was, he did a talk about Java and Scala and the differences. Uh, and that kind of showed his team, you know, you can do it too. Uh, and he encouraged us all to write a talk. And then he went through there and I'd submitted this idea that I had about technical archaeology. You know, could we go back through um, the history of software architecture and, and look at the kind of the bones that we discover there? And he was like, yeah, this should be really good. You should submit it. Uh, and I submitted it to a, a London conference called DevOps. Uh, which is a lovely conference, really, really kind of friendly crowd, really geeky and interested uh, board. And they were like, yeah, come and do it. So uh, I, I went along and did that talk and it was really well received. I was out walking in the Lake District uh, and I met a guy who recognised me and he was like, oh, yeah, that talk, yeah, that's one of the best talk I've ever seen. So I kind of, uh, you know, uh, hint of fame like oh, people have seen what I do and they like it and so that gave me the confidence to like you know have a go at, at chatting about about different things and I've done a few talks since then on different subjects and just found that it's something that I'm not afraid of and it's something that I enjoy so uh, I always get put forward because I'm prepared to do it. <laughs> oh it's, it's wonderful and, I, and that kind of because I, I guess you know, a, lot, a lot of young professionals are kind of starting their career off and, you know, that having that kind of graduate program that you started, which gave you all those foundational skills and that kind of context of different types of challenges. And then moving into someone like Capgemini, which really nurtured that and there's such a global presence. And, you know, that I'm guessing they've got a lot of professional development in-house as well. That's an opportunity to to learn new new skills and apply those into different trades and different industries um do you yeah. think that's been a really big valuable thing for you to kind of work in different types of industry as well yeah it has and and yeah you're right Cat Joe and I do give us quite a bit of freedom when it comes to training we have 10 days a year and we can choose whatever we want to do with those 10 days and we quickly realized within our team that doing things like oracle certification is not necessarily the most valuable you go down that certification route um, with the fast sort of changing landscape of technology is quickly going to become out of date and um, any sort of course structure that we provide is going to be out of date within the year. So we teamed up with Skills Matter. I don't know if you've heard of Skills Matter, but um, they run or used to run some, some fairly um, 
they, they, they get people like Uncle Bob Martin, Maxine Devots to come and talk about their subjects. So you'd be hearing from the people at the cutting edge. So instead of doing a very dry kind of let's try and trip you up with your Oracle Java training, it was more kind of like, well, let's look forward. Let's see what's coming up next. Uh, and so we tried to take that mentality with with training, you know, keep people's enthusiasm. And because once you've got the kind of core concepts of technology, if you've got that enthusiasm as well, it's much easier to to keep abreast of, of the changes in technology. So. So, yeah, training is a huge thing and uh, and continues to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love skills matter, and I you know, my, actually I keep on bumping in um, in St Albans, where near where I am at the moment. It, um, Alan Richardson, who lives here, lives there, who does a lot of the Selenium hackathons and oh. more of these black hot nut days where people can go and learn to do code, uh, find problems and bugs, and also you know the foundation you know of of, of whether that be Selenium or or a particular language, and then you know. Like you say, it's great to hear from the people who are the practitioners, right? Who mm. want to share their experience. Um, and so, do you run anything internally where you kind of do like your own dojos to kind of talk a little bit about a, a chosen subject that you've been working on for a client or something you uh, someone might be interested in? Is is that kind of something you do? Or yeah, we do. We have a couple of angles on that. We have monthly tech talks where anyone can just come and talk about whatever they're doing or whatever they think is the next big thing. So we've had some really great talks about things like AI and blockchain, but also more kind of down to earth, you know, um, application modernization type talks. They've been excellent. And then we also have an internal software craftsmanship course because um, we really believe in this kind of software engineering culture, which we struggle to define in a way, but it's, it's about, there's a lot of, elements to it it's about um finding people of a similar mindset to ourselves people who are genuinely interested in the technology side who aren't joining a consultancy to manage people but are joining because of the range of problems um and um, who aren't afraid to fail there's a big thing around the sort of the courage to be wrong you know and how can we kind of build up that culture where we, we allow our people to fail safely because when you're working in cutting edge technologies, you know, sometimes nobody knows the answer. There is no right answer. So we need to provide people with a framework so that they can work safely with these with these sort of leading edge technologies. So we devise this concept of software craftsmanship. Um, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> we were having a discussion as to whether craftsman is quite the right word because um it does conjure up somebody sort of whittling away in the corner on their own piece of art, which is not really what software should be, although it very often is. Um, but it, yeah, it's um, things like pair programming, test-driven development, you know, just going back to the basics, you know, the Agile Manifesto, just the, the course is very much focusing on things like that, uh, design and modeling, um, Simon Brown's C4 model, you know, abstract away from UML and just, get back to the raw basics of what it is that we do. So we try to run a course like that for, for new joiners to our team, um, just because we enjoy it really. <laughs> to remind ourselves, you know, why we're engineers and what it is that we love about the engineering culture. It sounds amazing. You know, part of, you know, I had this conversation this morning with Paul uh, Gerard again, and we were talking about, how the difficult challenge around professional development and this going down the route of certification and, and like you mentioned, it's like, oh, well, I need to get the latest Oracle certification for X 
versus you know going down the the practitioner route or the apprenticeship route where you've got mentors or people internally who you can ask questions and and learn and you know in the in the normal world we've got things like chartered engineer statuses which you know have been around for a very long time but don't really facilitate this level of technology and I think mm-hmm. as a technologist, and that was, I know, one of your titles of one of your roles is, is you know, you're, you're kind of, you're an engineer, but you're also driving technology. And, and this concept of being able to s- fail and celebrate failure, which is really difficult when, you know, the, the failure could potentially have a cost or a risk associated with it. But I think it's really important to have that safe space where you can kind of go and th- do it. And I, and I know things like retrospectives have been there and, and I, I think you probably enjoyed the character, which is Dave Snowden. But, you know, he has a, runs a workshop where it's called a, a ritual descent, which is where people put on a mask. And the idea is it, um, that you kind of look at a problem and you kind of say, oh, well, you know, uh, how do we how could I have done, better done this or how could I have avoided that? And then everyone has to come up with an idea to build on and you put it onto a, onto the wall and say, OK, well, what if we'd have done this approach or we tried this? And then we have they always have to have somebody who wears another mask, which is playing devil's advocate, who says, no, that won't work. This won't work. And then they really trying to play off each other to to try and think about and brainstorm ideas. And, you know, I've always admired people like Capgemini who really do add the fun back into things. So if it's whether it's a discovery, a new client, you know, you're kind of making it a bit more light and, you know, interactive and a bit more fun. Um, You know, do you feel that? you know that kind of safe space and also like mentorship and supporting you know you having a a strong leader as well to encourage you to speaking you know do you feel that that's the kind of thing which new people really need to help grow their careers yes yeah especially the mentorship and that it's having somebody to, to sort of look up to to say you know I want to be like that I want to have that as my career when I when I grow up sort of thing isn't it because uh this is one of the things that we kind of focus on in our division because a lot of our engineers they 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 want to advance they want to be promoted and be recognized but they don't want to go the typical kind of leadership route of having to take on management responsibilities sort of hr problems project problems they want to be recognized for their engineering skills so um we're trying to create that kind of um oh, i've forgotten the name that we had but, but that sort of engineering manager path um, and, and, and it really is working in that people who join can now see um, these, you know, respected engineers uh, and they can be their role models and their mentors to help them, you know, progress their their, uh, their abilities. So, yeah, mentoring is an amazing thing. I, I still don't think we've quite got it right, uh, especially sort of in, in the computing world. Um, the mentorship might not be face to face you know a lot of us are not particularly uh, good at face to face interaction but it's just having that kind of you know if you can demonstrate your skills to someone in a way that inspires them or even if, if it negatively inspires them if they're like oh that's ridiculous it should be done a different way that that sort of spark of inspiration is is what we need isn't it to keep us interested in what we do no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it also brings this really interesting dimension, which you mentioned, which is around, well, what is, um, you know, some of the soft skills that maybe you want to support it with, you know, whether that be, you know, basic use of tools, it could be, 
you know, just, you know, speaking, communication skills. And, you know, we've always encouraged a Myers-Briggs or a, another type of psychometric test. But then once we get there, how do we get those people who are in, a, in our industry or are extroverts or, you know, people who are, have problems even turning on the camera to, to be more interactive when they having meetings? You know, what do you think about yeah. the kind of the soft skills as well? Yeah, it's very interesting that my husband is a psychologist and it drives him mad whenever we kind of play around with um, things like Myers-Briggs because he's like, you don't know what you're using and you don't know what it means. <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> and I think what we really need to do is is recognise the skills of, of the, in the team that we have. You know, if we have someone that's outgoing, we need to put them in a role where they can excel at that because uh, we have lots of people who are not who really don't want to do those things and um and i think it's recognizing our, our limitations as well as our strengths you know um you there are soft skills that you can't teach that you can learn some things and um uh you know cat gemini has has excellent courses on you know presentation and all sorts of things you know conflict management things like that but it, even if you've learned it it might not be what you want to do and i think yeah there's definitely very much a recognition of there are soft skills that i don't have and i'll never have and maybe i should just not ever be in the position where i need to use them so yeah definitely an, another interesting topic <laughs> No, absolutely. And it's that kind of thing where you've got, like you said, you know, part of it is sometimes people start off a career path and they want to be an engineer and they want to develop their career. But, you know, they don't want to go into management because uh, to see that career progression. Right. And they may want to say, well, actually, you know, I want to do a bit of rotation. You know, I want to try my hand at data science or, you know, I want to you know, have a little play around having a, a bit of chance to to kind of see if that is for me. And that, you know, people should have that kind of freedom to to experience what other teams are doing whether they're business analysts whether they're project management and to get a bit of a taste and experiment and i know consultancy is one of those great things where you can try your hand at something and you can go out and you know reach out to somebody in your division who, who will be great at you know like i said domain design or you know another area and you know it's encouraging people to say yeah you may be in a role at the moment and coming as a an engineer but You've got you're going to grow your career and find a, a path through what you really enjoy doing mm, yeah yeah i mean I, i've never uh switched careers like that and i have huge respect for the people who do you know to be going down a track and then to say to yourself well this isn't for me and to manage to completely switch is is a huge challenge isn't it that um yeah, as you say, it's great in a consultancy because we can quite easily find another division and get them to come and talk to us about what they do and maybe, you know, find some people that we think would fit better in their team than ours or vice versa. We do try and poach as many people <laughs> internally as we can. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, switching into technology as, as a career is something that's quite interesting especially for for women I find we've we run internally the returners scheme which encourages women who have maybe been out of technology for 5 10 15 years to come back in and then we give them a, a three months to train in whatever it is they want to do to get back up to speed uh, and we've had a couple of really great people join through the returners scheme but even more impressive uh, are the schemes that uh, take women who have had a, a a career break and then switch careers into technology like um I, I did a sort of 
it, it was like a, a really weird Zoom chat where you just joined and you'd be randomly paired with somebody who was in this situation. And so I had a chat with a few women that were saying, yeah, well, I realised I was quite good at doing their household accounts and I'd, you know, really aced my home spreadsheet. So I thought I'd move into technology and I'm loving it. You know, stories like that are amazing. And I have every respect for, for people that can make that right angle turn in their career paths. <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I remember, you know, um, Eurostar this year, they did this like blind date uh, chat roulette thing where you could you could go onto video and talk to other people who were attendees. Right. And, yeah. you know, part of it is you just got randomly matched with somebody you had two minutes to just talk and then, you know, like speed dating or something. And then if you wanted to extend the chat, you could. But if not, you got picked off to another buddy. And I, I think that's such a, a great way of kind of saying oh, well you know what do you do you know what is it in tech you know uh, and have that that face time with people and you know i think you're, you're absolutely right when you know especially with the pandemic is you know you've, you've also got this this real challenge around uh well-being and and mindfulness right where you've got you've got real mm -hmm. challenges of getting people to you know people to support them uh, from a from a mental illness perspective but also a wider area where they're still getting that exposure that time you know these big companies that are getting st started up that are called things like water cooler where people just want to have that time to interact with people talk about what they did at the weekend you know and 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 not be just in a position where zoom equals you know um work it can be also this kind of this in you know this interaction with each other which i think humans we we need that kind of level of interaction and and, and know that people are caring for us within our team but also addressing us like you said with those people who have challenges in certain areas and and they, they need work and, and and maybe they need support in that kind of area as well and so do you find you know now that you're you know part of big teams working for different projects that you know there is a bit of downtime as well where you can kind of chew the fat and, you know, talk, a, you know, talk to people and do fun things and do quizzes and, and stuff like that. Is that something that you guys are, are doing more and more? Uh, well, we tried, <laughs> I think, you know, we tried this a lot last year and um, uh, some of the projects have set up specific rules. So, you know, some of the projects are saying, right, whenever you have a meeting, you must have your camera on, things like that, to try and keep the engagement, force people into it. Because sometimes if you're not asked, then you, you might not put it on. You might just sort of sit in the meeting. So they tried to keep that face to face time and they did things like um, they posted everybody a rubber duck. <laughs> I hadn't heard of this concept of rubber ducking where if, if you just need to talk to someone, even if it's a plastic duck, sometimes just verbalizing the problem to your duck will uh, will help. So they, they tried that. And um, and every year we, we run an internal unconference. So we ran that virtually last year, just um, using Teams, virtual meetings. But it, it, it is getting harder and harder to think of something fresh that, that can be done virtually you know a lot of the projects that I've been on they have this sort of weekly meeting which is the um you know a, like you say the water cooler the tea break meeting but everybody who joins has joined because they're a bit depressed <laughs> so the whole kind of mood of the meeting is really miserable and you come out feeling a lot worse than you did before you joined sometimes so um yeah I'm always looking for for new ideas of of ways to 
as you say, keep that social spark, that face-to-face spark alive and, uh, yeah, struggling a bit, especially, you know, I can't believe it's still January. <laughs> this, this month is really dragging. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you remember Pete Jack Jenkins, who did the um, the talk uh, at the virtual community days last year, and he was talking about uh, gamification and so I, I look forward to every Friday, the Gamification Guild, which is a whole stack of us who we get together and talk about gamification for for, for apps and stuff, uh, mainly around um, healthcare and stuff. And I, I genuinely look forward to Pete's sessions every week because, A, they're fun and, you know, they're they're structured in that kind of manner where we, we take the first five, ten minutes to, like you said, to talk a bit about, you know, what you've been doing, you know, socially, what's, you know, things you challenges you've got and then but also make it a bit of fun so we had a, a a goat on one of our zoom calls so you can hire a goat uh in wales i think it is where it'll literally join your zoom channel and chat with people and you can ask it things and it, it's that rubber ducky kind of you know view of the world right make it a bit more fun um but it is an actual real goat that is sat there on a zoom call right which is is very strange um but you know part of that gamifying things is what i really loved about it was this you know how do you you know make it so people really want to do well and and achieve because they're they're gamifying it whether that be you know people coming up with a really good innovation idea for for for, you know internally on an internal innovation lab or a hackathon Mm -hmm. or a Mm -hmm. personal development you know quiz or whatever it may be is just to make people go i want to get engaged you know i want to you know have that kind of recognition that I'm either working hard or you know I'm really good at this or I'm really enjoying doing it and you know I think that that engagement's really difficult because you know we have our work and then we've got very little time be- between it and yes you know a lot of the tools like Microsoft Teams for instance have started doing this kind of insights and I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it on Outlook where it kind of says starts recommending breaks for you and making sure you've got the right amount of downtime uh, and if you add the Microsoft to do it kind of starts managing your calendar a little bit better and putting in breaks and and, and trying to kind of add this idea of how to, to support people in this new way of working right the new the new reality and um, I think it's it's important but also I, I really like what you said with the kind of well getting to speak to other people who are come in who are similar who you know come into technology or had a break from it and and provide that mentorship kind of program where you can kind of give them advice about your experiences and maybe things that they can go and try courses that you've really enjoyed books that you really enjoy you know i i down, uh, I, I i ordered a book on uh, jeffrey moore the, uh, the crossing the chasm book which is the product management book and it's that kind of book club kind of well what can you know what should i be reading what audio books should i be listening to you know, but to keep me kind of excited about this industry. And, and it's, I guess it's not just the technology and the soft skills, like you were mentioning with you kind of your husband and this, these, a lot of these uh, psychology models or cognitive models, but cognitive behavior therapy, which you can do yourself to kind of get yourself in that men- right mentality. But you've also got this business landscape where people might be, you know, always doing financial services or always doing healthcare and, you know, getting a bit of chance to do retail or do something a bit more different. So have you, have you seen that where people are wanting to try their hand in a different industry uh, as a way of kind of getting more exposure to that particular domain? 
Well, yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? How um, if you meet someone that isn't in your domain, just a couple of minutes talking to them can completely kind of dig your mindset. And it's like, oh, I never, I never looked at it that way. <laughs> so that sort of cross pollination of ideas it only takes a couple of minutes, doesn't it? You know, these sort of Zoom drop-ins can really can spark something interesting. But uh, we don't see it much. No, um, I think especially in the day job, you know. There's so much that we have to focus on making sure that we're, you know, working effectively for the client, that having the time to do something like step right out and and, and mix with other teams doesn't happen too often. We do uh, occasionally set up things, you know, with that goal in mind. But uh, um, Capgemini has a French company and their main big training office is in a chateau outside Paris. So one of the highlights of working here is to go and hang out there. And, and they did a hackathon one year. Uh, so we went out, some of the tech team went out on the hackathon. But lots of the smartly suited consultants were, were staying there as well. And they invited us to come and talk to them. And, and what they said was, um, we want to know why you techies are so good at sharing. And we were sort of like, what? what? And they said, well, this open source lark, you know, you give away all of your information. You don't hold anything. But yet, the more you give away, the more effective and the more highly regarded you are. And from them, from the business perspective, this was sort of mind blowing to them because if you're a, you know, a, a process consultant, your value is in your head, is in the things that you can tell people. So if you gave that away, you would be effectively valueless. So that was a fascinating insight into how other people look at sharing compared to, you know, if we write a new widget, which, um, you know, reads across multiple continuous integration tools and creates a nice dashboard. We want to open source it. We want to share it. Uh, and sort of sitting down to think, well, why is that, that we do that and, and, it's, and it's effective? And, and it led me down quite a sort of rabbit hole of, um, well, actually, it isn't the code that we write that has the value. You know, m most of the code that we write has been written before. Most of the code that we write, we could copy and paste from Google. And in fact, you know, the, the skills that give us value is, is not in the writing of the code. It's in the knowing how to create a product from that code. You know, it's the CI and the CD. It's the um, uh, quality analysis. It's the understanding of how we can relate technology to the business problems. That's where our value is. So that was kind of came from that sort of cross pollination of of teams and um yeah that was kind of mind-blowing really <laughs> no it's, it's it's amazing and it, it, i love what you're saying there around value right you know mm. in the eye of the beholder of well actually you know part of it is yes these are patterns which we use and, and i know you you didn't like the word craftsmanship but you know it is a very much like a a, a pattern you would do or a recipe you would follow mm. to create something but the actual value is in it, how you create it and, and understanding, I, I think you said at the start, which you really enjoyed when you joined technology was this problem solving, you know, this actively mm -hmm. applying different recipes or, or, or patterns to solve a particular problem um, yeah. to, to generate some kind of value, which is some, some means something to, to someone. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I think that's what the business guys were probably say identifying was, you're sharing all this stuff, all these recipes to, to move the industry on and make it better and, 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 and help other people. Um, 
and you know but you're also creating all this value right because you're you're thinking you're using critical thinking you're able to speak to customers you're able to interpret their needs and and come up with a solution which delights them right and mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of a skill which you know a younger sarah would starting out her career and, and and looking at content management and building custom solutions to help you know the traders and all that kind of stuff you were in that from the start right you're in that i got i can yeah. solve that problem you've got um but it's not called something is it it's not called craftsmanship it's not called yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. engineering so you know having that facilitation to really get people to encourage them to 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 want to be able to go off and do that and and the joy and the reward and, and the recognition for doing that and doing a good job is is kind of what Capgemini are actually in essence encouraging you by doing this kind of uh, these kind of activities really yeah 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 and what you you were saying about gamification has really kind of swept our industry as well hasn't it um if you think you know the the more open source contributions that you make that the more kind of green your github profile grows the more valuable you are on the market and that in a way is kind of a gamification isn't it it's a gamification of sharing <laughs> with, and uh, and it has resulted in, in the software industry that we know today but uh, when I was worrying about writing code and things like that, little did I realize that it just isn't isn't the main part of, of our careers. And I, I remember seeing a statistic. I think developers spend something like 8% of their time writing new code. And the rest is just other stuff that surrounds that. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's that, that day of the life, isn't it? And I think that's I think that's maybe where we need to be focusing going forwards is the day of the life of, you know, a consultant is, you're absolutely right, 6% might be doing business logic or writing some code. The rest of it is these peripheral activities which people don't really recognize. The communication, you know, having the meetings with teams and understanding things a little bit better and getting more clarify, clarify, uh, clarifying things or thinking, brainstorming it with other, other members of the team and, you know, all these other tertiary activities that, aren't really recognized and you know i think i think that's a real challenge because you know the day in the life of whether a developer or a tester or a ba or a project manager they may all have something very similar and it's that only that when the sharing happens which is when people get together and 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 kind of brainstorm and think about those ideas and you know think what went right and what went wrong and how we can get that better and improved and then share it with everyone else in the organization is kind of the outcome what we're trying to we're trying to achieve right mm. um and I, I i love that i think you know gamifying it you know is that everyone can contribute to everything can't they the problem is that in a way we're kind of allocated to a task so if i'm a, a healthcare customer uh, client and i've got a developer then my boundaries are fairly you know defined and an actual fact you know that context that what we apply for a solve a particular problem in healthcare might work great in financial services might be great in 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 another uh industry so sharing that knowledge and sharing those patterns is kind of really important for us to be able to grow um and, and also give those people the the exposure to 
to see what those other people are doing. And I think maybe, maybe gamification could do that, you know, where people, I guess like ag- agony ants, where you can kind of say, I've got a problem at the moment, I'm doing this kind of challenge, you know, what's people's thoughts, you know, and, and, and really kind of build up on it where people can have that interaction with people that maybe they don't usually have within the organization, whether they're much senior, whether they're financial service, you know, financial kind of CFO kind of level, or, you know, down to logistics or infrastructure, you know, having that, that cap Gemini uh, kind of reach is really quite exciting for somebody who wants to be keen and learn really. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the one thing that's getting harder at the moment, isn't it? With our sort of isolation, missing out on that sharing, even on a sort of day to day level, um, you know, you really value the people that you work with who are the ones where you kind of, you know, we have a Slack channel, I might post on the Slack channel, well, I, 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 this is my update for today, I'm a bit stuck on this. And and the person who responds and says, let's have a face-to-face call and talk this through, and you just want to be so grateful for that person, because <laughs> it will always work, you know, even if they just sit there and go, have you tried that? Oh, right, did it work? No, what are you going to do next? You know, the three or four times that I've done that over the past few months, I've always, everything has just become clear. And it just takes that person to just recognise what what's needed, doesn't it? And, uh, and yeah, get, get that sharing going and, and you can be unblocked. <laughs> Absolutely. And we might have originally called them news groups or something when the internet was first founded and then forums, yeah. but they all had that kind of, uh, achievement status right you know you did 4,000 responses it doesn't matter how good they were you know part of it is you got a gold star next year is is, is that kind of area that you need these people who are going to say actually um yes I might be swamped with my work but actually I can come over context switch for a minute and sit with you and kind of help you out uh, and you know mm-hmm. we may give them roles of scrum master or you know a particular mm-hmm. title but actually maybe it needs to be more general than that and it needs to be this kind of opportunity where you can go into a pool of people who can help you with a particular task who could be a you know a, a, an eagle as they they say on on some of the adverts but you know an eagle on you know web design or an on process or or something else is you know really mm-hmm. helping and we sometimes used to call them you know with DevOps, you might call them Batman or something, you know, the people who are those superheroes that help you out when you yes. get stuck. You know, yeah. that might be what we need is those those, you know, putting the light in the sky and 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 with the big DevOps logo there and get, you know, Sarah to come in and and, and help, right? So yeah. uh, anyway, it's been so good. But you know, uh, let just as a kind of a, for those listeners, you know, who want to reach out to you or want to chat with you or, you know, pick your brains, you know. How easy is it to get, what's the best way to get in touch with you? And, you know, is it on LinkedIn? You know, do you do blogs? What's what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, we have a brilliant um, Capgemini Engineering blog. Um, let me think. Uh, it's on GitHub. Um, Capgemini Engineering. Oh, is it? Maybe it's just capgemini.github.io. Yeah, that would be it. Catgemini.github.io. I'm one of the bloggers on there, and that's got my LinkedIn and Twitter handles on, which are both good ways to to get in contact. So, yeah, feel free to do so. Well, that'd be awesome. And, and any kind of top tips as well on, for especially women in tech, on 
words of wisdom of how to get started, how to, you know, be become successful? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I've always found it being a, a huge advantage to be a woman in technology because I'm a minority group that people are focused on. You know, I, I kind of. You know, if there are three presentation requests and they'll be like, oh, oh, a female Java developer. I always it always seems to work in my favor. Um, so thinking about, you know, what what I've seen with the women that have, um, you know, pr- uh, trained with me, joined with me over the years, uh, a lot of women do seem to move into testing. And I would be really interested to speak to some more testers and find out why that is. But from the ones that I've spoken to, it does seem to be a confidence thing. You know, the testers that I've worked with, uh, I, th- I think you would call them QAs now, really, because, you know, the developer writes all their automated tests and then the, the QA will come in and, and do the kind of, have you tested this? Have you done that? And, and, and sitting with these women, they read my entire code base, they completely understand it, and then they'll pull out, well, you haven't written a test for that, or well, these two are going to run in parallel. No, the depth of their knowledge is incredible, but it's just, maybe they just like testing, I don't know, but it does seem to me that there, there's this kind of like, oh, I'm not good enough to be a frontline engineer. Uh, I'll, I'll sit here and I'll do the testing, or I'll be the support role. And I, I, it's a massive generalization, of course, but I have seen it a lot, and I do wonder if it's a maybe a confidence thing. Um, you know, does do, does the woman sort of go into technology and hear people talking about Angular 16 and Java 21, and they're like, oh god, I only know Java 8. I'd better not go over there. Whereas if you were to walk over and go, all right, what's different in Java 21? You know, the bubble would burst if you realise that. <laughs> you know this group of engineers is just waffling and, and they, they know no more than you so I don't but I, I don't know if it's just my opinion so I think you know what I what I need to do is go and talk to more testers about why they're testers maybe I'll end up becoming a tester on the back of this journey because I'll be like oh you're all right <laughs> but um well the end of that waffle is basically I guess my, my message is be confident, don't be afraid to ask, you know more than you think, uh, and, um, you know, you can do the role that, that you're aiming for, is probably the, the message. <laughs> I think that's absolutely great advice, and it has been fantastic as always, I, I love having you on the um, all the events um, that we've, we've run for the last year, and, and hopefully the, the events in 2021 as well, so... Thanks yeah, so much, Sarah. I've very much enjoyed waffling away, so uh, <laughs> it's been appreciated this end for sure. <laughs>